New York City. WVFP. <laughs> Energy and charisma. Why is that funny? It's definitely awkward. <laughs> Look at me, I'm different. Get to the point. This podcast, like the Red Room from... The opinions expressed by the guests, hosts, and callers of this show do not reflect the views of WVFP or our sponsors. WVFP. And he's a visual artist. Like, I've known him in the past as a painter mm. in New York City. But I just saw on social media that he was going to be a DJ at the River Bar. Nice. And I was like, that's fucking dope yeah. and weird and cool. Yeah. So I went down there, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, I sent him a message right, right before, but I kind of jumped out on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was raining. It was like last week, it was raining hard. So I just devised all this shit, you know? And I'm uh, trying to hold the recorder, and, and I've got the uh, giant umbrella I bought just on my way down there at like the fucking CVS. And like, it's a true, like a true New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a big-ass golf umbrella. Yeah. You know, stand under it with this stupid microphone. And um, all of that went, f- that's fine. All of it was well and good. It was a hilarious interview that I'll probably never use. But one, and one of the reasons why is it's super short. <clears throat> I'm just talking to him with, for a minute outside. But we're outside. We're not in the bar. By the way, no bar, even if it's your friends. I don't want you to tape them sides. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't know what the legalities is, but people get like. Yeah, for sure. It's almost not worth asking business owners anymore. Like I was trying the route where I like go to the bar a couple days in advance. Mm-hmm. Spend some money. Mm-hmm. Go there early. Talk Spend to some, some people. Money. Tip them well. But that doesn't actually work because everyone's like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? And then you're like, hey, can I record in here? And people trip. They're like, I thought we were friends. Like people like. Really? Yeah, people get business owners and and bar managers. Really? And their enforcer class, the hostesses. (laughs) The hostesses are. Well, anyway, so we're recording outside. So I I realize, all right, I'm going to go down to the river. I have to record outside. So I get them outside. And it's like nobody wants to leave the bar to do a recording. And I go outside, and we're under this umbrella and shit. And I thought I pulled it off pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. But I went home, and I listened to it. And the rain creates the sound like static would be. Wow. It sounds like this. Wow. And then there's a sound like that. And then there's the sound of the rain on the umbrella. Like, you know? Picking all that shit up. That's crazy. So I planned everything right, but I don't think about 20 seconds of listening to that rain stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make anybody yeah, yeah. turn it off. You think you, you think know? maybe it would change if you had like um, more quality equipment at all? I'm just no, the microphone's really dope and it shoves. The, I've got this. Um, I don't want to do a commercial for these people all the time. Yeah, for sure. I think I've said this in like five episodes now. This is that but I have this like microphone I saw the people on the Weather Channel using. Mm. And I bought oh, it. Oh yeah, the field recorder thing, yes. or something like that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. It it takes the the high high um, frequency voice mm-hmm. and kind of pushes it up in the track, kind of like tries to focus on your voice, but it gets the surrounding area and it's really good at pushing it into the back of the track. Right, right. But that means it's kind of behind your voice, so I can't turn it up and down without you, right? Right, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. one track. So that static sound cannot go away. Can't go it's away. It's not a peak in a valley yeah, sound. Yeah, 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 for go, sure. It's a background. Damn. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's almost totally unusable, even though yeah, it's a yeah, hilarious yeah, yeah. recording. Man. I told the guy, again, I've never met this guy before. I've yeah. just you know, seen his art and been at some art shows and stuff. Right. 
I get him outside and it's raining. I'm trying to hold on to all this shit. And I'm trying to cover him with the umbrella as well, which is hilarious. You guys are under one umbrella. Yeah, because he's taller than me. So I'm trying to hold this umbrella above this dude and hold on to my microphone and record this guy. And it's raining, you know. It's and I say to him, um, I say to him, oh, you know, we don't really see you as a DJ. I said something about it the last show of his. And I said, you know, the paintings are really sad. And he just looked at me. He was like, what painting's really sad? And I was like, oh, I just meant, you know, to say it off the cuff. And he was like, which paint? And I was like, oh, the, well, the one with the um, repetitious square buildings, and it's really dark. It seems really sad to me. Mm -hmm. And he just looked me right in the face, and he said, yeah, that's about the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, that's an abstract of the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> It's like, oh, that deadpan, dead. right? Was, we're just standing there in the rain. You know? and I said, <laughs> I said uh, oh, that's why I'm so sad then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything, you're spot on. You were laser on point, for sure, if that's the case. Or did you get some sadness from that painting? <laughs> technically, he did his job. He did his job. Actually, he's, he geniusly did his job because you didn't even know. Oh, oh, here's a recording we'll never use. Damn. So, yeah, I'll mail this to you if I intend to use it. Guess what, Michael Pollard? <laughs> nah, that's wild. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it happens, though. At this point, man, you're like an official engineer at this point. You're going what through... Does it take, what does it take to get... Um, yeah, I know. I don't want to be the engineer. Yeah. But I feel like it's like owning your own pizza shop. Like, you were mental if you thought you never had to learn how to make pizza. Exactly. Like, you bought a pizza store, exactly. you guys better know how to run every spot. Right? Well, you're going to learn. Yes, <laughs> right. And that's the same thing. That's actually like a genius uh, analogy and metaphor. Right. Because it's, it's the truth. Because I'm a like, small business media owner. Yeah. It's like, you think you're not going to endure some of the things an audio technician deals with? I know. Think again. I know. You better better learn it. Think again. Yeah, I know. And, you know, like, my failures are, a lot of my failures come from that kind of thing. You ever get this feeling like when you're learning something new, usually like a manual thing, you know you're rushing over the step? Like, you know, oh, I'm, I know I shouldn't have cut the corner. I know I should have measured the flour. In oh, this. of course. Like, you're doing something, and when you're doing it in the recipe, you knew you were rushing of over course. it. Of course, of course. I do that shit in the, in the tech side all the time where I'm like, oh, no, no, let's just do it. Let's nope, just do it. Don't do it. And I know. You're I know in the it. back of my mind yeah, that I'm going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I do every time. That's just like a, it's like a real black and white kind of thing when it comes to technology or just dealing with audio. Mm -hmm. Don't cut the corners. Don't. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many successful times you did it and it worked, it, technology will, it will fail on you. Yeah. The best of it, well, the most expensive I, of it. That's what I meant about doing the work up front. Like you have to make sure everything's running right and you do have to test everybody. Test you everything. Can't just look at the levels you do have to put on the <laughs> earphones, which I've, I've already done that once where mm -hmm. I thought I was like, I don't have to hear it. I can see it. Yeah, I right. can see it. Yeah, yeah nah. It. I've done that too. You know, nope. I've done that too. You gotta try once, you know. Yeah. Because it'll be the same. You do the same thing a hundred times. Maybe that hundred and one time, and it's like, what the fuck happened? What, what was different? Nothing. Yeah. But it was. Yeah, and I get the small business owner thing where I think that I'm allowed to do. I am. I'm the. I own the place. You know, I'm in charge. I can cut the corners. Nah. Right. You know what I mean. I'm the boss. That's the funny thing. Like being the boss doesn't mean cutting corners. It means being more thorough than the employees. Wow. I'm gonna have. Do you guys ever do interns around here? 
Yeah, we actually uh, have one who just he just became more. Yeah, we had an intern, and now he's an official. Editor. And now he's worked his way into the yeah, for sure. job now. Well, that's sure. way it's supposed to work. That's right? how it's supposed to work. Well, now you need another intern, though. I mean, listen, this guy. I need, I've been thinking hard about interns. Really? <laughs> what am I doing over here? A one man band. You gonna hire some interns? There's a limit. There's a limit to what's going on over here. I, I think a, if you can afford it, as a single person, you should allocate those funds. Whatever, know, even no matter how small it is, it's, it is help, very helpful. Man, even trying to pay people to show up in this town, I'm telling you, it is not easy. Yeah. I don't know why it's like that here. You know, yeah. anywhere else in the world where I'm, I feel like, or at least where I'm from, the places I've lived, you try, you call somebody, and you're like. I'm gonna give you a hundred bucks to I'm show there. up here and sort some sticks. I'm there. They're showing up. Yeah. In New York, it's not true. It's everybody's a little jaded here. So people are like, ah, I don't want any money today. Yeah, that's I true. I think it's crazy to me. That's true. And they're just lazy. But so the intern thing's weird because, like, first of all, it never pays much. But there's like this aspirational part of the thing that makes you think, yeah, there's some more worth there that's not in money. I'm, I mean, that's the whole point. It's like if I'm going to intern for a notable person or a person who can offer value on the back end, it's the value on the back end that you're looking for. Right. You know, So it's like, so get the money. I think the long story short for me specifically is I need to trick a young person <laughs> to believe it. To believe in the American dream. <laughs> that there is some kind of value here. I mean, hey, you can, you can, hey, you, you. Are a, pr- a pretty plugged in person. You, you probably to. have resources that yeah. you could probably act literally offer them. I've invented all of the resources myself. People <laughs> are calling me for stuff at this point. I need, I need to extend the fictitious world that I'm creating here <laughs> into something uh, into the future, right? So that somebody sees something in the future, right? I have to invent this whole story. I'm gonna have to. You know what? You really have to do. You have to convince the online. It's like services that do that kind of stuff that you're legit. How you know you what do, I mean? How do you do that? Though? Well, like, let me give you an example. There's a um, service. I used to be in theater, theater production. Mm-hmm. And we would get people through a service called Offstage Jobs. But they don't just let anybody post there. Right. They have to kind of like certify you. They make you tell them how much money you're going to pay. You can't just be like, call us. Yeah, call us. You have to you show give up. them information we'll and call stuff. You. So yeah, there's a real person back there. Who probably looks at what you're doing. So I have to fool that person. (laughs) (laughs) Fool the world of online uh, internship platforms into believing that I am real. And then, you know, then the other people will follow. I mean, God forbid somebody moved to New York City. Oh my God. We living in a city where that's very really like this is my shot. This is that's how I was when I first came. It's like this is the kind of person I need. I, I would have took anything. The first art show I had, the only person who cared was a friend of a friend intern, a really sweet kid. But he had just arrived here from like the farms of Northern California. That's crazy. He thought my art show was the biggest deal. We we're just in an alley in Bushwick. It was <laughs> nobody cares, you know. And it was so cute of this kid, and he did a bunch of. I I asked him. I think I asked him to. Um, I made a bunch of film snippets on different mediums, and I asked him to put them together and do a reel and some mm-hmm. through some program. And he did it in a day and was like, give me another job, boss. You know, he was, oh, yeah, he all, was hungry. all over the gallery. He was mm-hmm. there the day before it opened helping me do stuff. That's what I need. What happened to this to this person? Oh, I don't know. 
You got to probably wised up. He probably wised up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got yeah. his own kick. He was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He was in New York just for a couple more weeks, and he was like, yeah, I know what, I know what it is now. I well, know the, God I know bless ropes, him. Man. But, I mean, that's what I need. I need somebody who just got here who, you know, who's like, I want to be in TV and film production. I'm, I, I'm having trouble um, hiring actresses to do skits. To do skits? Yeah, like what, um, what is it like dealing with actresses? It's it, it, the reason I kind of segued into that. I think my brain did that is because there's somebody else who needs a lot more promise than just the money. I guess they need a lot more story there, because I, I tell them, I will give you, I will give you fifty dollars an hour with a four hour minimum. You come to a place here. The place is here. And uh, we record some bits, like uh, commercials. It's all fake. It's the nonsense that I have. And th when I, like, right away, they'll agree. There's this weird thing that goes on where immediately they say yes. Oh, that sounds great. $50, that's 200, right? $50, hour, uh, $50, four hour minimum, 200 bucks to go to Chinatown for a couple hours. Fine. Right. But then they'll want to understand what I'm doing. And, and that's that, where I, I think I lose it. Yeah, and that's, that's the, that, yeah. And there's like this kind of a, there's kind of this oppression that's happening where the talent <laughs> is making me audition for them. Yeah. And I just want to give them money to read the lines. Yeah, nah. I don't want them to think it's funny, but they're kind of like, if they don't think it's funny, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> now they need, they need anybody. I have to get somebody who doesn't want to be part of the process. They just want the money, you know, and they just want to read the stuff. Now they need credentials now. Huh? They need credentials now. They need to know why. I must I invent a world of credentialism for this show. Yeah. Like, why am I working for you again? Like, how is this? How is this beneficial for me? I'm up to fifteen. I'm up to fifteen followers. On what? Um, on my Patreon. That's good. I have fifteen. I have fifteen current people. Now, whenever this comes out, there'll probably be two less. You have fifteen people. One five. Paying you money. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. No, I think it's a lot. That's a lot. But it's not. But it feels I like. mean, to some people, for sure. But you know? to me, it's like, um, you know, remember the Simpsons Krusty the Clown thing where everybody, the kids are sitting on stage in like mm -hmm. a bandstand? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's that many people. It's like I, more than a dozen. Yeah. But it's not like 25 or 50. I mean. But it's like a small group of people on a stand. I mean, literally half the people here are trying to figure out how to get five people on Patreon. So you're doing better than a lot I of need, people. I need, listen, part of the scam I'm running here, I got to get hooked up with WWTF Studios. I mean, you kind of already are. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the landing page. I'm not on the landing page with the other stars, the other celebrities. I'm not talking about the staff. Right. You have some shout out squares. Yeah. I'm not in there. You know, that's fine. I'm working my way up. I'm... I, People really care about that, and that's all, that's interesting to me because I wonder, like, what what will if even if you get on there, like, nothing. Maybe it I'm underestimating nothing. how many clicks the website get, which I don't know. It means right, because maybe there is more than I know, right? And so if that's the case, then people would actually see it, and it would be significant, right? There's know. some weird thing that happened. It happened before my time. Like it was already happening in my time where what's on the internet is real. And I could literally build my own house, a giant house in the middle of nowhere. But if Google won't address it, then it doesn't exist. I mean, I'm just living out there in a twilight zone. I'm actually real. That's true. So, like, the more that's on there, you know, 
the more that's on there, the more that's the on more, there. The man. more is real. Yeah, you. I mean, you're right. What do you know about getting? Um, does this place have a Wikipedia page? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, maybe though. Let me. Let you know anything think. about that kind of stuff? You ever have a band, or you ever do a, anything where you wanted it credentialed on the internet, so you want a Wikipedia page? I thought Wikipedia. Anybody could write, could create one though, if they wanted to, right? Any. It's, you can add a reference. You can submit a reference. But creating a page is a whole different monster. Okay. Because what it's doing is, is it's uh, referencing, you know. So once you have a Wikipedia page, you are real. Let me see. WTF Wikipedia. And maybe I can be made real in the eyes I mean, if you got patience, you're pretty real, man. <laughs> you're pretty real. That's as real as it it's a small group of people. You know what was crazy about the Patreon? When it hit 10, I was like, wow, I felt really good. And then the next day, it was at like 13 right away. You know, like it it bumped up right away. Really? Again. Yeah. I'm, I feel good. Like, it, it goes through, like, I try not to look too much, dude. Right. People think, I, I mean, I guess because I used to think that everyone like who does something dry. like this is sitting on their stats. Yeah. Like sitting on the insight tab. Can't do it. But like honestly, I think it would make me insane if I did that. I mean, it will. And it's... I don't even hit the plus on my Instagram story view. I just don't want to get too into how many or who. Yeah, or, for sure. You know, I just put this fucking stuff up and try not to, especially with the Patreon subscriber thing, because it bounces down and up. A person says, you know, a person drops you. Right. And then someone replaces it. For all kind of reasons. Yeah, it's not, it's not, um, I've been doing this for three months now, so it's not uh, the same 15 people. Right. Some of them have dropped, it's gone back up, it's gone mm. down. Like so I don't want to look at it because daily it can be like changing a little mm. bit. I think about so it like that. That's like a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think like, about Oh no, two like people that. didn't like, uh, they must have not liked what I said or some fucking shit. I can't, dude. I can't live like that. Yeah, but at the point, though, that you already have people paying you on Patreon, I'm telling you, like, of all the podcasts that I do in a month, almost zero of them have paid patrons. Each one of the people paying for this show is a saint. Gotta people be. deserve an award. They do. If you come to my house, I'll give you dinner. Yeah. Wash your feet. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. There's a legitimacy there, right? Like, for sure. If it went to zero, I'd be like, you know. I'd be like, okay, so we just hang yeah, it up. Yeah, it was a nice right. run. <laughs> Got to get some more patrons. In Those people have so much power over my life. Like if they, <laughs> if they all ganged up, start making demands. And just, yeah, just sent me a message like, throw that hat in the river. Right, throw that hat. We in the are river. fucking out of here right now. Give us a new set, new colors in the background. Yeah, and let me ask you a question about the set. This is I'm serious. I'm uh -huh. just doing a fucking radio show. Uh huh. Are you guys someday gonna have like an, a desk option? Like in what way? Like, like uh, Anchorman desk style stuff? I mean, man, probably for sure. I mean, this is like the very, very beginning though. So every, all of this is just like the prototype to a degree. So let me throw in what I think here. Okay. I know I got the ear of somebody's inside the, inside the corporation here. You're mm -hmm. up inside there. Mm -hmm. I think that a, a rolling um, anchor desk mm -hmm. would be easily storable. It's just a table with some storage somewhere. And then you could roll it in. I agree. Just a desk. And people really would love people would love that. The chair that you're sitting on, because no one can see it. Right. It doesn't matter what the chair is, really. Right. Yeah. People people would actually love that. Um, I think that's a good idea. So coming from theater and stuff. So I was already thinking over you a little bit. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask him, but I know what the answer is anyway. <laughs> so I was already thinking over you a little bit. 
because I come from a theater background, let's take some Dubatine, like on the table you're at. Mm-hmm. A little black gaff tape along the sides. Yeah. Frame it. A little, frame it. It's frame done. Frame it, right? Yeah. Desk. Yeah. I'm going to start thinking about something mobile. I'll be coming in here and you'll be like, is that a massage table? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> no. It's WVFP Anchorman desk time. And I'll be like, and I'll flip it out. Floop. I mean, you could, you could totally do that. You know, I don't know. If you, I mean, you're going to have to take it back where you came, where it came from. I have to have some friends around here to yeah, do something sure. like that, man. Got to have a, a moving crew in here. I come in here on the wrong day when you're not here. They can just throw my ass out forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Folding table, that's not going to work. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, though. I think a lot of people would benefit from... Uh, I like... I didn't know what I was doing before. I don't know what I'm doing now. But my show's gone through so many changes... If I could go back to the beginning, I might just start it on a desk. I don't know. Then give it like an anchor anchor feel, like your own show feel. Like. If I was going to do that, I didn't know I was going to be doing that. So you would do video then? Probably. Probably. The reason I haven't done video yet is because I don't know what it looks like yet. What do you mean? I don't really know like what the show mind, looks like. Like in your mind? Like, oh, yeah, I get, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, feel I the... started the show before. Yeah. I started the show almost... I started the show as I was making the show. So um, mm-hmm. it was almost like the first 10 or like proof of concept kind of thing. I understand you more than you know. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel like, I felt like a lot of it was more like what a, like a person trying to get a play produced would do a reading. Mm-hmm. Almost like that. Yeah. Or I was in previews. Yeah. I felt, that's how I felt about it. I'm still working. So as I get closer to video, I'm thinking like, you know, as I get closer to what I think that might look like, I'm going to more toward desk. I think if I would have kept the co-anchor thing, which I might still do, I might still do the co-host thing. Mm-hmm. I like the co-host thing, man, but I can't. I gotta come off. I gotta come off it being a regular thing. Yeah. Because I can't schedule somebody else and a guest. I agree. The whole thing's too hard right now. I agree. I agree. I actually think more podcasters should rely on themselves. Really? I really do. Wow. That's a good. That's a good encouragement. Yeah, I tell you something kind of like I I noticed in my uh, so my first videos have been around long enough for me to get um, a certain amount of views where you get a um, you get more of a detailed chart out of the YouTube Studio after it's been around for a while and it has mm-hmm. more views. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I saw that I wanted to unsee because I don't want to get my head too big here. Is that you can see when people dial out of your video, mm. it gives you ch- of like, and it shows you like what the moments where someone was listening again, mm-hmm. and then where they like, no, I'm I'm gone. That's interesting. And sometimes when I was, you could see who's more popular, you or the guest. Mm. You can tell in it based off of the engagement in that moment. Yeah. If I go through and I hit play and I listen to it, sometimes it was me, and when I was talking, the engagement was going up, 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 and when they start talking, it crashed. Right. And then in some of them, it was switched. Right. I was less interesting for the right, moment. right, right. But That's- you only get that off of really good numbers. You gotta have you know, some of my videos have gotten over five hundred now views mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Up, some of them are at a thousand. Mm-hmm. Only when you hit up there can you start seeing stuff like that. Because you try to pull that kind of info off twenty views, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. You have a real big group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not enough uh, data to no. really pull from. Don't drive yourself crazy off <laughs> off of twenty views. Yeah, yeah. yeah off what please, twenty people? Yeah, please it. don't. Please don't. It's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it, but yeah. But you know, even if I would have, if I would have had everything I wanted, 
in in the beginning because you can't in this life, right? I'm just a small pizza shop owner. Yeah. But I would have had a desk. Even with the co-host, I would have done desk. I would have done a double desk like Anchorman. Yeah. You know? Well, I feel you on like, you're like filling the idea out. You know, it's like in prototype form still. Like you still, you're like playing around with the idea of it all. And as you get closer and closer and it makes more sense to you, as you see it more, then we'll see it. Once you see it, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I know exactly how I'm approach this visually mm-hmm. now. It's going to be like this. This I got the desk. Mm-hmm. I got the person. I got the whatever. So I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, I slowly contemplate podcasting. And the reason why I do it very slowly, because I don't see it yet. How many, what's your podcast? If I was going to do one, which I've already started recording a little bit. You uh, got some stuff back there is not for public consumption. I got some stuff. It's okay. just I'm just been sitting on it because I just very slowly trying to figure out what is this even? How do I feel about this? So when you said that, I felt you like a million percent. A million. When I was percent. a little kid. I used to make uh, tape recordings, mm-hmm. like I was on the radio or I was doing commercials and stuff mm-hmm. um, for things that didn't exist, like products. <laughs> I'd be introducing songs that didn't exist. Wow. I was like I was trying to be a um, DJ from MTV, like an MTV <laughs> TRL. Yeah. 100%. Beach House, baby. MTV yeah. Beach House. Yeah, man. Yeah. MTV. So, <laughs> um, but I, I think about um, how, like, when I was a kid, how I would just record stuff or just make stuff or make art and not have any idea, mm-hmm. never be thinking about what I was going to do with it. Right. Because, like, it's a kind of absurd as a younger person yeah, it is, to do actually. anything with anything. Yeah. <laughs> So you're just making stuff though. But kind of where I was going with this was, wouldn't it be cool to have that spirit and just be making stuff? Yeah. You know? Do you feel like, so what I was saying was I started my podcast kind of like, I wasn't going to gear up for it. I yeah. just started a you fucking podcast. You just did podcast. it, yeah. You're kind, of, you, you're kind of feeling it out more. 100%. Do you think that that, so you think what I, do you think I was kind of wasting my time a little bit? Or do you think I should have, people in general should spend more time crafting a, product or no 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 i don't think i don't i think every approach is the right way i think your approach is um i've i've seen people go off it like that with like without um without a particular plan without a particular angle they just go for it yeah some people are really good at it you know i mean some people have like the spirit and the energy for it and some people don't you know and when they don't they really don't, man. I think that I I don't think that I think a lot of what I do was doing wasn't good, but the way I learn is to like like um I learn stick shift just by ruining somebody's farm vehicle. That's and no matter how many times horrible. I watch my uncle show me how to do it. Yeah. With me sitting next to him. Yeah. I don't know if I have a terrible attention span. It's part of it. Like my personality is Everybody be quiet. I have to mess this up a thousand times until I oh, learn. Man. And Poor even if somebody's like, dude, just mix, no, clockwork. I'm just like, no, do it clockwise. I just, I, I'm just doing it myself. So I think I actually fucked up a bunch of this podcast. I got you. I, I think I blew some of my bigger guests. I think I got big names immediately, mm. bigger names immediately, and mm. I didn't know what to do or what I was doing. Mm. And um, I also rewrote the theme of this show. Someday, if this ever... God forbid this ever gets popular. Somebody's going to go back and look at the first 15 or first 10. Right. And they're going to see that the show changes twice. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. It's growing as you grow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I came up with the theme and the name of this show after the first six are recorded. 
You know, when I used to come here and record under Untitled, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know what the name of the show was going to be. And then I invented a theme for the show. Right. And the day before it came out, that with another person. Mm-hmm. And then that person decided they really wanted a much minimal, minimalized role. Mm. And so I had to reinvent it again. Mm. So I went through these different things, you know what I mean? Mm. And I have like, I can see like mileposts now. It's like episode 10 was the first one I did by myself. And there's a bunch of failure because of that. Mm. And then episode 14 or 13 or 14 is the episode where I really go down in flames by myself, Mm. where I realized I was going to have to take responsibility for doing it myself. Like 10 10 was the first one I did by myself, but I thought it was like I wasn't going to do that many by myself. Mm -hmm. So it was, I didn't plan for it right, and it was like all weird. It was the first one I did, but then I tanked. A few ones later, I tanked by myself. What does that mean, though? Well, I just it was a it's a bad episode, and I okay. think like I hadn't I hadn't adjusted what I was doing to being the only person. I was still like right. I was still like oh, I'm I'm a co-host in suspension. Yeah, 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 for sure. <clears throat> I understand that. And what I was doing wasn't going to work without somebody else, and mm-hmm. I should have. I, I can see now that I should have let it go mm-hmm. at like episode five. Mm. should have let it go but mm. what i did was i filled in i filled in i had more guest hosts yeah for sure i became it became like a part of my daily life to find more people more people yeah more for people. sure it's kind of like your crutch at that point yes and until until not having it really hit me mm-hmm. i really went down because <clears throat> of that and so like i can see these mileposts in my show where i'm like it was different and then i was learning mm-hmm. and then i decided all right now i'm gonna have to find a way for me being alone to be the um default the default yeah. is me and then adding yeah. somebody some so then it changes again and i think that's better you know i really think that's better you, you know there's a weird stuff like um i didn't i didn't put a youtube online until three weeks or a month after the podcast started and when you do that now you have to choose some more aesthetics right you do you know you Every do. time you go up into one of these platforms yeah, or you sure. move, like, say we move into video, mm-hmm. you have to choose a bunch of aesthetics that weren't around before. Yeah. For example, we have not been filming this hat very much. Right. It's kind of just a joke right now. But <laughs> right. if we start putting it behind a desk and on film, it's going to become more a part of the aesthetic of the show. Do we want that? Yeah. You know, I haven't really had to think about that until yeah. now. It's just, like, not even... You know, that's just an example to all the things that I'm doing Yeah, that uh, I would have to decide and film. Yeah. I'd have to choose some of the aesthetic yeah. at that point. And the hat would, like, really work in your benefit because of the aesthetic. Like, the aesthetic gives information to people that's yeah. not... It, it gives off the information you're not necessarily saying. Yes. You know, it's like I'm hearing him and I'm starting to understand his vocal aesthetic like his right. style his humor his train of thought but then it's like you see the sunglasses you see the hat yeah it's like it's well then there's all sorts of other stuff it's like and in and the studio and then you'll see the studio right and you'll also like and then i'll also have to choose um when i start doing stuff like that i'll have to choose some branding that i'll stick with instead of changing it so much and being kind of silly with it yeah i act like my own um Sometimes I act like a magazine company that does my ads. <laughs> I'm really blasé with it. Yeah. Being really silly and the fonts are always different. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if once you're doing something that's branded, 
you have to choose some taglines and mm -hmm. choose some brands. For sure, got to be cohesive. Choose some fonts. Mm -hmm. You know, that's true. I don't want to. You don't want to do that. No, I don't. But I think it has to. Like, there's a danger in um, a project like this. And like, I'm an esoteric person. I'm a coded person. Mm -hmm. This becomes too coded. Like, people feel if if something becomes too coded, people feel on the outside of it. Hundred percent. Yeah. So that's true. The arms of it have to be more open. People have to, um, when something's coded, they're not sure if there's a joke and is it on them. Right. That's one thing that people can't get the idea that the joke's on them in any way. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way you do that is by not not being, uh, you know, just being really clear with your exactly. brand. Exactly. I was yeah. just about to say, just being clear, not leaving yeah. it to like speculation, yeah. interpretation. Right. Yeah. Because right. they'll assume. And what's crazy is most of that's done through aesthetic. It is. Language, yeah. So it's, it's ironically like, you know exactly how to utilize it for yourself. You just, it's, you're just not like, you don't care for it too much. But you know exactly like how, if you, if you were to embrace it, you know exactly what it'll do for yeah, you. Yeah, I think that like, you know, we were talking about doing all the positions in your small business. Right. It's like, to get like way micro into that, it would be like, um, I'm not as good as being the account manager as right. I am being the storyboard guy. Right. You know, the account manager's got to tell the storyboard guy, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. just choosing these ones and we're done here. Exactly. I'm always back there just making stuff, making stuff, making yeah. stuff. And then me as the approval guy is bad because mm. I want to be a nice guy to myself, right? So I don't, you know, I would rather not approve anything for the show. Just let mm. the show do the show. But at some points there has to be an account manager. Someone's got to do it. It's going to have to be me, you know? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> for sure. Squash I mean, yourself out a little bit. I mean, is there is there anybody in the world or the realm of audio, whether it's radio or podcasting, that does something similar to what you would prefer the show your show to be? Like, if you could no. just avoid right. the aesthetic, who no, does that? no, right? You know, one of the reasons I do the show is because nobody's doing the show in New York City right now. You got you. As the dinosaur media fades and the and the new media comes up, there there's not um, that kind of focus on local New York City artists the way that there used to be. Mm. Like, let me start here. The New York media, the local New York media, the Village Voice, all of these things that New York used to have, mm -hmm. um, which were dying when I moved here, mm. they used to be actually as bad as all of that stuff was. They used to be really good at f calling out the local New York City artists, interviewing the playwright of some show that it's never going to be shown anywhere ever again. Mm -hmm. It's like really being local mm -hmm. because there's so much obviously art in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. And as we're transferring to the new medias like podcasting, we don't have that many shows. A lot of the shows about New York, right? Like if I look at the top five podcasts about New York, they're about politics or theory where like two people from New York talk about the politics of, of national politics, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's really inner group stuff. There's some younger people stuff and some comedy stuff. And most of it's like, here's my friend. He does comedy. Here's a guy who wrote a book. Mm -hmm. He's not necessarily from New York City, you know? He's just here on our podcast and we're in New York City. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? 100%, yeah. So I'm trying to do a little more of like a, a local thing where where what's important to me you know like not everyone on our podcast has been living here mm -hmm. but i'd say we're at like 90 percent. i think that that's like a, the community's not being served by the popular podcast now they're really more um either political or they're um 
like kind of like these fashion cultural things where it's like a, a girl's popular and these are her friends. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. You know, so sure. I can't get my, I can hardly get my friends on this podcast. I wish I could have a podcast like, but I can't do it. Everybody in my life is like, no, yeah. you know, like hard pass in my life. So, yeah. but that's not what I was trying to do anyway. Right. Although it would be nice to have some other people on the show. If friends you, come on the podcast. If you brought the visual aspect into it, I think yeah. you would very quickly find a whole lot of things. Yeah. Uh, potential intern, potential co-host, permanent co-host, you know what I mean? Because people would, because you know it's like TV odds that image man you gotta go where people are already at you know it's like you can't just build up a little town and just be like it's a whole city over here there's like <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. we're over here though yeah like right. we're in san francisco we're in new york we're in chicago you know it's like what is this town? no that's today? true no 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 that's true that's true but you know like but there used to right be away. things in here yeah not right away right yeah i mean you could you couldn't just do a show forever just about new yorkers anyway there would have to eventually be I mean, you never know, man. New, New York, as a person not from New York City, and um, I haven't been here long either, you know what I mean? But like uh, anything New York oriented was just absolutely fascinating to me. Right. So it, it brought me here, honestly. Well, you know, I think other things are happening in this town. It's not just podcasts. What I've noticed too is magazines. Mm. Magazines like Sex Magazine and Forever Magazine and mm -hmm. stuff. 10 years ago, there was no market for a fucking 22-year-old to be reading a magazine, frankly. Oh, Last man. time I remember young people reading magazines was like the Bush administration or like Surfer Magazine or Skateboarder right. Magazine or right. something. But not like, you know, the literature stuff was becoming for old people. Mm -hmm. But now there's been this resurgence kind of mm -hmm. of literature magazines, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because like that area for people under 30 was underserved. Mm. There weren't any fucking, you know. That's what it was. There wasn't. There wasn't anything to to have. Yeah. And New York City's a very young town. Mm -hmm. It's served by the youth here. You yeah. Know? So like, I don't know. And I, part of the thing about this podcast is I feel like in the past, twenty five years ago, a lot of people I know who have shows downtown and shit like that, they would have been interviewed by the Village Voice. They yeah. would have been interviewed by one of these other. Maybe even the New York Daily News would have. Even the New York, but these these magazines were different even back then. So like, I just don't think there's anybody there now. Yeah, you know, and also the political vibration of this town changed a little bit, and we can maybe have a show again where everyone's allowed on it. I think that's changing a little bit. Yeah, I'm doing it. When, I think I've had. I'm I'm not gonna like go into this like with everybody I meet, but. I'm doing something on the show where there's people on my show who you won't find them listed on the same show somewhere else mm -hmm. because they're political opposites. Right. But I, I don't care. Right. You know, I want that to not matter that much. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And, that, and like you said, like so when something's being underserved, right, that's a great opportunity for you to, to be there. Yeah. Because you'll be the only person there. Right. And so you get all that attention, even if it's not... A whole lot of attention, all the attention there is to gain from yes. it, it goes to you by default. Yes, and you know what? That makes people super uneasy. You know what? You want to know a problem I'm having with my podcast? What's that? I am alone in this. Like, seriously. Mm -hmm. So, let me, let me take one of these magazines as an example. So, they have this weird constituency of people who are in an underserved media section, right? The literature magazine stuff in New York. And I go there to cover their event as if I was like, you know... Like a almost like a red carpet thing, right? Mm -hmm. And their reaction is to be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing?" Because because they don't understand. Like I'm, right. I'm trying to explain to them, like, 
okay, yeah, you're in this weird new media area, but I'm what comes with it. Yeah. You don't realize now Literally. that you're like you're the celebrity now. Yeah. But then that creates me. Like I'm yeah. the media on the side oh of that. Oh my God. And so the, but they're like, they're confounded the way older people are with the podcast. They're they're confounded. Like, well, why would you cover us? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to explain. Well, we're together here in this new yeah, world. We go together. Yeah, right. We pair. So, like, exactly. So, like, Barbara Walters is interviewing somebody, you know, outside the NBC studio, and the podcast people are here interviewing you mm-hmm. because you are part of, you know. Right. Right. But there aren't a bunch of podcast people in New York trying to do that. They're mostly doing comedy stuff. Right. 100%. So I'm there. I'm at the magazine release. I'm at your movie. Mm-hmm. I did I got banned by a movie lady. <laughs> and I think she and this is because they I think it's the exact same thing. She kind of flipped out a little. Like it was somebody I had a rapport with on the internet. Mm-hmm. And she had a movie opening. And I messaged her and I said, Hey, I bought a couple extra tickets to your movie premiere tonight. Is it okay if I come down to the standby line and give them away? That's kind of like a little game. Right. Ah, oh, WVFP, win some fucking tickets to right. this lady's movie. Right, because you just, bought them. I just bought them, and I was just going to do it in line. Yeah. It's not a big thing, like a, like a, a thing that Today Show might do, right? Right, 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 right. I sent her a message that said pretty much all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said? Blocked. Reported, unfriended. That's why. The end. Why? I don't. Should I don't know. I think this is what people think. They think why? Why are you coming to my little New York movie thing? Why are you doing this? Right? They they can't. I think there's a little bit of a thing where they can't realize like, oh, I'm a celebrity. I think people take themselves a little too serious sometimes too. Yeah, but if, if she was taking herself ultra seriously, she might say like she's fucking a celebrity. That's why I'm doing it. But she doesn't yeah. realize like she's in a new space. Movies for like young people. Maybe there's a little bit of a thing like who the fuck is this person? Right. But there's also this thing I think where people are like, why us? Because they don't realize that they they have their viewership because they're serving an underserved audience, and I'm also doing that. They're the underserved media author. And I'm, they're the underserved mm-hmm. movie lady, and I'm the underserved movie reviewer of the, in podcast. But you know what's because crazy? nobody else is coming. You, you know what I mean? That's the thing. No, Nobody's no, coming. Nobody else is coming. Nobody but cares. They, but they don't realize. So they're sabotaging the, the they're ecosystem, just of honestly. The... They're ruining, the, they're pissing in the swimming pool right now, you know? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't matter. Remember what I said before about, like, it's a customer service job, so you just say, thank you. Right. You know, whatever. What what I know that she doesn't know that makes me maybe act different is that I've been in New York City for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And I know what I didn't know when I was young, which is that we're all going to live here together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because when you first move here, you're like, oh, 10 million people, I could do anything and I'll never see anybody ever again, right? Right. That's not true. It's not. I thought it was for years and oh, years as a young God. man. I rolled around New York City causing drama, lighting fires, burning yeah. bridges, yeah. And drug out of every happy it hour was, in Williamsburg. It was, it was always close to you. And you know what? You see those people again, again. everywhere <laughs> in the most unsuspecting places. And you I'm would think the you. city's so big, there's enough yeah. space for everybody to have a corner. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that was the biggest. Go myth. ahead and block and report me. Doesn't that was matter. the biggest myth I busted. Like coming from Texas, like oh, New York City is the biggest place yes. ever. It's just like, and it is, but it is, somehow but. you you see people twice on one block somehow, and then somehow yep. you're riding the train, and then you see somebody in the same car with you, and then you're looking at each other, and it was like, isn't that? Yep. You know, it happens. It does, man. 
It happens. You see them. You walk past them. It does randomly. I had, I had a roommate once who was not very happy. Just, just not happy with me generally. God for, bless them. For, yeah, God bless them. <laughs> God bless her. She was. She's actually a cool person. We were young and we butted heads a lot. And for some reason, she kept renewing her lease. Like we would get into these arguments, and then next year we'd come around and be like, "Want well, to live together still?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Why not? <laughs> We always uh, we're always butting heads, having a problem with each other, and um, it was years ago, man. Grand old Bushwick days, and I actually like this year sometime earlier this year, I was in Bushwick, God forbid, and I was in the Ace Hardware store because the was, Ace Hardware store, <laughs> yeah, down on places. Knickerbocker and DeKalb. There's a tiny little Ace Hardware store in Knickerbocker and DeKalb, and I was there because I happened to be in Bushwick. And uh, some people might know I'm involved in street art sometimes. And I just remember that they have a large assortment of tiny um, spray paint cans. They have tiny multicolored spray paint cans and little ones, little babies. So I went in there real quick. Long, long story short. I went in there to poke around the little baby spray paints. And there she was. And uh, there she was. She was so funny. She was on the phone and she came in looking for a house item like in an emergency. <laughs> and I was down looking at the thing. I looked up, she was on the phone complaining and uh, complaining about her roommates. That's why the mm. moment was so special. The poetry writes she was like, oh, these motherfuckers can't <clears throat> even come get this. And she was just like complaining, complaining, complaining. And she said something to the clerk and she turned and she looked at me and she said, oh, and this motherfucker's here now. <laughs> I just looked at it. I was like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Just and That's all the interaction we had. And she just smiled and left. But it was just funny because, like, you don't think that you're going to see somebody from 2011. Mm -hmm. The second you go back to where both y'all used to live, mm -hmm. off the DeKalb stop. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, New York's not as big as you think it is, especially yeah. um, when you think about how, like, it's not like you're hanging out with any 50-year-olds. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people in New York City, uh, yeah, but sure. you're not hanging out with them. Like, I always like to tell people, like, people are like, oh, there's so many great bars in New York. Mm -hmm. No, there's not. There's like 20 bars that mm -hmm. everybody goes to. 20. You know, at any given time. Mm -hmm. I should make a list of like mm -hmm. the top, all the, you know, because like, no, there's not that many bars. There's a hundred thousand bars you never, you're never going to step in. Yeah. A bunch of diners that suck yeah yeah 250 diners in manhattan that are terrible and you should never go into yeah they're just kind of there to rip off tourists probably yeah 100 percent. you know what i mean yeah they show ripped me off a couple times right yeah what is it the cheeseburger yo man that that's was... what you can't find in this town ever if you if you you just like trying to get a cheeseburger is a terrible thing to order at a sus diner that's a terrible like branch you know what i mean that's the thing about New York is like there's so many places that offer food. Yeah. It's not even a restaurant. You know what I mean? Or it's not even it's yeah. just, a, just a corner store or whatever. And then you get it and you're like, this is fucking trash. Oh, man. It's not even that. You know what? To me, I get I used to get angry just, you know, I don't know. I used to get angry every time I was slighted at all. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this ain't even worth that much. But now <laughs> what really annoys me is trying to buy. Sometimes I feel like I can't buy nothing nice. Like... I went into the Soho Diner. It's over here, um, part of the Soho Grand Hotel. Mm -hmm. It is not. Oh, right around the corner. It's, yeah, it's not cheap diner. Yeah. That's not a regular-ass diner for yeah. regular-ass people. Yeah, isn't that the one that's like you got to pay a monthly? Oh, no, no, I was just, I hope not. I was just saying <laughs> But I went into this place, and I, I said to myself, you know what? It's raining. I'm feeling down on my luck. Yeah. 
We'll get a fried chicken sandwich. Step in. From this very nice place. Mm -hmm. Seemed very swanky. It seemed swanky to me. The chicken sandwich was a little, cost a little more than I like to pay for lunch. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and it was it was like uh, it was not crispy. It was wettish. It was disgusting. And you see how I'm calling out Soho Diner right now? Because that was a really disgusting fried chicken sandwich. It has to at least be crispy, guys. It can't seem wet. I, I don't want wet. There was anything. Newt. It's not soup. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a rich person. I know what microwave cheese on a old yeah, chicken. Exactly. Food. I know yo, what it tastes like. Yo. I know what microwave tastes like. Yeah. Okay. And it's microwave. It was terrible, man, calling you guys out. It was sucks. And so it just makes me think sometimes, like, you can't even give a guy $30 for a chicken sandwich and be... There should be no question. You know? Should it be no question? 30 bucks, fried chicken oh, sandwich. Oh, 30 bucks, 100%. You know I mean? 100%. It should be like, I should, I should have no grievances. With confidence. Unless I didn't read the sign about pickles or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. It should be delicious. And I was... I just ate it like this. I was like, New York City, baby. Smile at the lady. Thank you. Thank you, all you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a hustler city, man. And you will get hustled. <laughs> I, I feel like I can never know until I know, too. That's the other thing about New York that drives me crazy. I, I know this isn't true, per se, but where I'm from in South Florida, I feel like I can kind of judge by the outside of the business. I can yeah. kind of judge a book by its cover. No, for sure. It's some telltales, for sure. Yeah. In New York, sometimes when I'm getting like like this chicken thing, this whole Soho Diner chicken thing, um, you, you should... You, <laughs> so upset by that. <laughs> that is a real trick because it looks nice and it's expensive. It's like a chameleon. The shitty chicken sandwich blended in, changed into a rich person chicken sandwich momentarily for you to right. know it's not appropriate. Right. And I can't tell from the outside. And right. I can only know by eating in the place. After spending $30. I have to spend the $30 to find out this is a terrible sandwich. It's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. New York will hustle you. Like That's why when you find something that works, you have to be a, a return customer. Yes. This is your spot now. Yes. I get forever. coffee here. I get pizza there. I get tacos over here. I stopped going to Chelsea when the um, when the Cuban place closed on 8th Street. I think it was mm. like 8th and 19th. Anybody remembers the Cuban cafeteria? I think it might have been called that. And uh, it was on 8th Avenue. And I, I took some tourists there one day. Mm. I had just been to the goddamn place because it's my spot. Mm -hmm. My Cuban sandwich spot. spot in Chelsea. For sure. So I brought some people who were visiting me there one day. Make them take the L train. I could get off, go over there. And we get up to it, and it's closed. And not only is it closed, it looks like it used to be a fraud. You know, like it's totally empty. Oh, for sure. There's like a handwritten that's sign closed. That's how they do it. Yeah, that's how they do it. Yeah, <laughs> it was, for sure. Everything was gone like for a sure. ghost town. And the two tourists looked at me like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, it you sure? was nah. just here. Now your credibility is questioned now. It's like, and how then, much of a New Yorker? Yeah, oh, yeah. You? And then they're like, well, where's the next best Cuban sandwich? I'm like, I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> I had a fucking place. I don't need to worry about where another Cuban sandwich is, dude. Yeah. I got a motherfucking place. So, yeah. So, um, I do I do get that. I, I went around New York um, once. I didn't even have a radio show. It's so funny to think about, like, because gags I'll do for the radio show. Mm -hmm. And then remember, I was doing the stuff without a radio show. Like, I went around New York and tried to find the best bon me for me. Mm. Um, I tried what I believe to be every bon me sandwich in New York. Mm -hmm. Some of the restaurants who serve banh mi sandwiches in ex more expensive places. I probably didn't get to, mm. but every working man sandwich, every 
you know, I think I tried them all. Mm-hmm. Went all over New York. It took me weeks, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I try all the banh mi's, and now I got a spot, Saigon banh mi. It's on Grand Street. It's delicious. Nice. I'll have an existential crisis if that place closes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. It's like that, though, for some reason. It's really like that. Like, um, being from Dallas, uh, I tried to take my girlfriend to a spot that I love, and I couldn't wait to share this place with her. What do you mean when you say from Dallas? In Dallas or it's here? In Dallas. Okay. So we both live in New York City, but I was taking her back to Dallas, Yeah. and I couldn't wait to share her this one place, and we got there, and it was gone. (laughs) And I was heartbroken. Right. Heartbroken. And you didn't look it up first because it's your place. Why you don't would need I? to look it up. I go all the time. <laughs> right. I know they open till they close three o'clock in the morning every day. I know this. Right, exactly. So we're going, we come from a night of drinking. We shouldn't be driving. We are, unfortunately. Yeah. Get there and it's not open. In New York, it could be like a real identity crisis because you get a bar and if you like the bar, it doesn't really matter that much unless you can get your friends to like it. <laughs> or maybe your friends turn you on to a bar and you grow to like that place. Mm. It's hard to mm. measure down. Like, let's a lot of people move here in groups, like um, oh, friends yeah. from college, right? I wish I would have did that. Or you came here by yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, when you come here and you, you at first, you, you only knew the couple people maybe who moved, like, from your college, and you all live in through the three spots or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're negotiating and you're meeting in between. That's how a lot of people learn New York. That would have They been know nice. one other person. Yeah. That person lives in Astoria and now they have to navigate that. That would have been nice. How long? <laughs> that would have been nice. Did you go to school here? No. So you moved here for a job then? No, I moved here. Girl. Uh, no, you said you didn't know anybody. Yeah, kind of like a girl. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, for that's sure. how I got here. Okay. Yeah. So like I knew her. I had no problem chasing a girl and getting into a whole new job in city just for some broad. That's the age I was. Really? I was a young man where I was like, oh, this broad needs a pirate? I'm a pirate now. Yeah. And I just didn't care. It's for the like my, I, my idea was my identity wasn't hooked to anything like that. I was like, I don't care. Now I now I do this. I live in New York. Yeah. This, you know, I don't know. It Which is dope because you, you experience this because of that. You never know yeah. what you might find. It didn't work out, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my situation didn't work out either, so. But you, uh, but okay, so, but it was kind of like you didn't really know her that well or anything, was it? Man, what happened was, is that I met her in Texas, and she told me she was getting ready to move back to New York City, and my dream was always to live in New York City. I idolized it for movies and music and entertainment, so I was just like, I need to get to the source now, so that's what I did. Worst decision slash best decision of my life, because (laughs) I get all of it. I get here because of it, Yeah. but initially, living with her and all that shit, it was horrible. What neighborhood did you guys live in first? We were in Connecticut. We were in East Norwalk at first. You moved to East Norwalk. Yes, from Texas. <laughs> wow. And then took the MTA North back to... And then you started hitting the streets. Yeah. <laughs> Times Square to be exact. <laughs> Times Square to be exact, for sure. Damn. And I was just walking around Times Square all the time. I was too afraid to catch the train by myself. I had anxiety to catch the train. So I was walking everywhere, everywhere yeah. that I could. That's a good way to learn, though. For sure. It's From Grand Central Station, I start walking. Yeah, yeah. And then I come back and go back to Connecticut. Really? Yeah. Man. <laughs> Did when you, when you, so then you moved down into the boroughs. So then I went to bed. Then I got to bed style with her still. Oh, okay. So you guys did two two rounds. Two rounds. So then yeah. we so then we finally get into the city, which was the mission the whole time. Right. Get into the city. And you're probably willing to put up with a lot of shit because that's the goal. Hey, look, whatever yep. we can sort it out. Yep. Let's get to the goal. Yep. Right? And I was financially trying to figure out what I could do to like mm-hmm. so I could make that, you know, move away. 
I took some time. It took a long time to figure that part out. You know, it took yeah. a, like, like maybe like six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 months. You know what I mean? So 100%. Eventually, I find a place in, in the Bronx. And then that's when I make the separation. Okay. And of course, it was a crash burn. Sure. It was horrible. You lived in Norwalk, Bed-Stuy, and the Bronx. And I'm in the Bronx currently. You're still in the Bronx? Yeah. So you found yourself a little, you carved out a little place up there. You like it. You mean I'm, you stayed, so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, ironically, before you got here, me and the other engineers were talking about how trash all of our roommates are and like yeah. Ro yeah. roommate nightmare stories. That's it. But it's it is what happening. it is. It is what it is. Like my, I pay six twenty five for my rent. My place is it's not horrible. Twenty five is a good price. Six twenty five is great, man. It's low. Like, I'm I like it. I'm complaining. Yeah. But it's like, man, if I could just keep it like this, I could, I could survive. Yeah. <laughs> When I first moved here in 2009, I only had to pony up 550 for my third mm. in Bushwick. Okay. But it was like, you know, I've always been living on the edge of whatever anybody else thought was desirable. You know, so, <laughs> you know, whatever's fun, I live like just on the edge of that. Yeah. You know? So it was Bushwick at when I, when I, it's, it's fun now. People like it now. For but sure. For when sure. I moved to the corner of, uh, you know, Central and Myrtle and DeKalb all come together. Mm. And I lived on that corner. What was that like in, at that time? There was nothing there. The building across the street wasn't there. Mm. Um, the grocery store, I lived there before the, um, do you know the, um, the uh, Central Ave M-Stop? It's like down the hill from the DeKalb L. Okay. If you walk down the hill, down mm -hmm. DeKalb, you get to the M-Stop. Okay. And, um, there's a bunch of stuff there now. But I lived there pre-renovation for that grocery store. So it was a tiny little store. And there weren't a lot of bars in Bushwick yet. Very few places to go. Yeah, this is early. I moved to Bushwick the year Pearls opened, which mm. is um, at the Jefferson stop. That was the only bar there for a really long time. Mm. There were no other real bars there at any rate. Um, but that's not where everybody wanted to live at the time. Everybody When I moved out there, everybody wanted to live at the Morgan stop. Mm. There still wasn't, Morgan Stop was the place to be. If you lived further than that, nobody cared about where you lived. Mm. So I lived further than that. Yeah. And people, my friends wouldn't cross uh, Flushing. That's a weird thing about New Yorkers. Like, they really won't go certain places. No. Just well, this close. That's what I was saying about having a friend somewhere, and that's how a lot of New Yorkers learn New York. Mm -hmm. I think the people who make the biggest mistake, I don't care what, economic class okay i think the people who make the biggest mistake when they move into new york ready for is this. trying to get close to wherever they live or work because it's the duality that teaches them the fastest so like some people are like i'm i'm working in a in an area of new york so now i'm going to live in that area of new york and you know if you're a rich person it's easy just to make that choice so like right. oh i'm i'm working in dumbo so i'm going to live in dumbo right well then guess what neighborhood you know about Dumbo. Dumbo. And right. then it's going to be a pain in the ass your whole life. You're going to be telling people, I don't want to go that far. Yeah, I want to go to Brown. I don't want to go to town. I don't, don't want to go to Queens. That's right. And so, like, I think those people learn a lot slower. The tra mm. Those transplants are, are often the most vanilla because mm. they they were living and working in the same place for the first couple of years. And, you know, I give you, like, I, I initially moved to 1st and 14th, but we knew we couldn't afford that. I had a sublet there because Stytown and um, Peter Cooper Village or whatever it's called was going into bankruptcy. Mm. So there were a lot of open sublets, a mm. shit ton, mm. and driving the value down. So I got to live there for a while. Mm. But then when I had to get a real place, we went to Bushwick. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, I'm just trying to eat along uh, the outside of what was 
what was the I, when I moved there, I moved to what I thought was the furthest place. Right. You know, but they all wanted to live at Morgantown at the time. I really, I really value that perspective coming from you. I really do because I never thought about it like that. Because I, I actually was thinking that I should do exactly what you said is probably the number one mistake that transplants make. What? Like I'm thinking like like right now where oh you like, want to move the closest to here? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, but I never thought about it. But the way you're you not. Just said. Well, wait now, wait, wait. But you're not a you're not new person. You already know the city. See, that's different now. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. You you you've already know you've been in and out. Are you a stranger to Brooklyn? No, I'm not a stranger to Brooklyn. Well, then you know. I mean, when people first get you, I think a, a I lot get you. Of, I get you. Like what, one of the things that happened to me was that I I worked in theater in Manhattan mostly, mm -hmm. but I lived in Bushwick, which at the time anybody my age only wanted to hang out in Bushwick. Mm. So Bushwick or Williamsburg. So no nobody I knew really hung out in Manhattan, but I worked in Manhattan. <laughs> so I learned all over Manhattan in the little theaters and stuff. Right. And then at the same time was learning the Bushwick art scene, the Bushwick right. party You're just scene. getting this dynamic experience. But, yeah, but if it, if it wasn't for those theaters, I probably would have not you known. You stay on your block. You stay yeah. on your radius. I would have stayed in Bushwick the whole time for sure. Yeah. It took me It took me four years of living in Bushwick, living in Brooklyn, to be like, on my own free time, let's maybe hang out in Manhattan. Yeah, for sure. That's the kind of guy I am. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move around. Yeah, I was on a on a rooftop in Brooklyn for several years straight, living bliss. I didn't give us the hipster days. Yikes. No that one cared about great. politics. That sounds was, great. That was great, man. The rooftop? It's like, yeah. The nice. late Bush administration and the early Obama administration, which I got to see. Oh, it was wonderful. Nobody wow. cared about shit. Wow. Yeah, it was it was nice. And now but, it's but like, now, okay, so you're thinking about moving downtown then. I mean, I want to be close to the studio. Chinatown. I almost moved to Chinatown when I moved to the Upper East Side. Yeah. I came here. I looked at a lot of spots. I really, I'm not even sure if I made the right choice or not. Sometimes I think I should. I'm here every day. Mm -hmm. It's not just this place. Mm -hmm. I'm here because of my friends. Yeah. If anybody says they want to do something, it's usually like Soho Chinatown. Right. It's true. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to learn LES. that. Yeah. Soho Chinatown, LES. It's in a, like a band mm -hmm. across the island. This is where yeah. everybody's hanging out now. Yeah. So, um, so I'm here every day anyway. I don't know. So I don't. Know. I, sh I sh maybe I should have moved here. I'm not sure. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I'm Chinatown, not... Chinatown. If we're talking about Manhattan, the the you know, there's better chance of getting a place down here than say if you wanted to live in Chelsea or something. Yeah. I think it's a lot harder there. You know, my thing about Chinatown is though, it's like I really am concerned about the rats. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> but we know everybody if everybody should know though that I mean, you know, it's Chinatown, it's two bridges, it's the Lower East Side. I have to tell you, man, I've heard some stories about uh, Alphabet City, East Village and stuff. Uh-huh. The rats over there are crazy. And I've seen rats <laughs> in the fucking Dwayne Reed in nah. East Village. Like I've been in the East Village. The only, some of the only times I can remember, like getting like, ah, like I'm not like the kind of person that sees a rat. It's like, ah. Yeah, me neither. But there have been a couple times that scare me comically in my New York City experience, and one of them was because I wasn't expecting it. I was in the Dwayne Reed. <laughs> That's what's scary about yeah, it. Yeah, and I like went kind of like started to bend down and look at an item, and it moved close to me, and I was like, ah, and I knocked some shit <laughs> off the shelf. I was like, ah, almost fell over. John, John, just Chevy a Chase, John man, Candy, just yeah. looking hysterical. Yes. Yeah, it's never a good. Look. Another time that happened to me was when I I saw, you know, it's like one of those things where like 
my vision saw something I did not think was yeah. alive. Yeah. As I was stepping off the train. Yeah. And it was like four in the morning. I was like blotto. And this rat was so big yeah. that my impaired visual uh, uh, subconscious targeted as like something else. It was so giant that <laughs> was I was like ghost. garbage, you know, or something. And it was really close to where I got off the train too. And I stepped off the train and it moved. And I went, whoa, whoa, I made something. <laughs> ah! I just like made some kind of sound. And unfortunately... <laughs> the train conductor like i was at the train conductor spot and she she said she laughed at me she was like ah, ha, ha, ha. and then she like yelled after us the train movies like they get bigger than that honey she's like oh that's classic of me and shit. that is that is classic that is a classic story for sure uh, i mean yeah that's my concern man you know you gotta have to be concerned about it you're never gonna eat inside like uh you have to t look I have a relation, like a second, third cousin removed, an elderly woman, very sweet woman who lives on the Upper East Side. Mm -hmm. She's lived in New York City her whole life. Mm. She takes out her trash every single day. Mm. She only makes enough trash like this in her house. Mm. You see where I'm going with this? Of course. She puts it into a little shopping bag and she throws it away immediately. She might open her door and go to the trash chute three times a day. Yeah. If she makes anything. That's her strategy, though. You don't have food in there. Yeah. And if that's you, smart. If you cook food in there, yeah. You immediately get rid. You meet you know, like I I will have to know who what the roommates were gonna be like at Chinatown. It's... Oh, do you love cooking? Next. You know, no. like I don't know. Like, I, everybody's gonna cook, but is it your hobby? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm done with the roommate thing, man. For real. Oh, he's doing good. You're no, no, doing no, no, good no, no, right no, now. No, no, I'm not, but I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what can I make happen though. Yeah. Because it's like the roommate thing. Listen, it sucks. Man, it's, it's a nightmare. It's, it's tedious, man. I know. It's tedious. It's so crazy. Can you think? I know there's other places, but in American life where adults are living together, adults, not like we're not all in college. Right. There are people. You, what really hit me the first time was when um, I was seeking some legal advice from some people, from one of those free legal aid things, um, because my, my landlord was a raging criminal piece of shit that's before that's before as they usually are that's before i in my new york city experience where i was like oh this is normal everybody's a criminal piece of shit oh yeah but at that time i was like i'm gonna get some legal help and i, I found an adult an older person a lady she's gonna give me some free legal advice she brought me over she invited she said um you can meet me at the coffee shop downstairs from my house um i live she lived uh in the West Village. Okay. So I meet this woman, and she, to me, was an old lady. I mean, I don't know. She was a professional woman, a midlife career person. Mm -hmm. And she had a roommate. That's the end of this story. She, there was another woman living there. Yeah. She had a roommate. She's a yeah. lawyer. She lives in Manhattan in the West Village. Yeah. These people are in their 50s. Yeah. And so I realized that that was one of the moments where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's going to be hard. But you know, that could be for so many reasons. Well, she though, wants like, to live, I'll tell you what it is. She wants to live in a really nice place. Right. These are your choices, right? Like, you go to Brooklyn, you have four roommates, you got a big place, it's got giant windows. Yep. You live in Manhattan, you live All by that. yourself. Talk to somebody who knows. You live in Manhattan, you live by yourself. It's a tiny box. Mm. It's, it's a coffin. Mm. <laughs> but you know what? I chose the coffin. Mm. I really, I mean, some of the Manhattan stuff is like, you know, I, I chose it because uh, I just wanted to live. I wanted, you know. Yeah. I want to live in here. I don't care anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I could deal with a lot, you know. I just if if there's one thing I could have, yeah. Just look, just give me some type of sunlight. Yeah. Just give me a, a window. Yeah. Just give me a window so I could see the sun coming through every now and then. That'll be great for my mental health. Everything else I can take it. Man. I love talking about I love talking about apartments and stuff. Yeah. The New York City thing makes you obsessed with it. I right? mean, it's the thing that we all share in common the most. So you're looking, let me say this. The winter time's a great time to move in New York. I, I hear that. The prices are depressed. Not 10%, <laughs> but up some percent. Yeah. Some measurable percent. Right. In the wintertime. So, oh, God. So December and January and February, I think, are when the prices are the cheapest. Oh. Well, see, there's another thing I just thought about. So, like, in my uh, my situation that I got in with my landlord, he's very shady tree. Uh, of course he is. If you're listening to this right now, I love you. I really appreciate you. But, like... But you're a landlord. Yeah. And so everything is underneath the table. And that worked great for me coming here because yes. I didn't have my shit together. Yes. And to a degree, I still don't. Well, no, that's okay. You know? But what what are you about to say was, is it bad because it's not on paper? Exactly. Yes. There's not a history to it. There's no history. Yeah. You know? And then like, even with this job, right? It's like the check stub thing, um, W-2, whatever, 1099. It's like, you got to have all that together. You know yes. what I mean? If you're going to do it the quote unquote right way. Right. And so it's like, which I, I never have, so I don't really know. Which is very encouraging, because I'm like, yes. I would like to get, listen, if I have money, which I don't even have that part yet, but that's, that'll be easier to get than the rest of the shit. Of course it will, yes. You know? You want to hear a horror story? This will make Let's it feel good. Let's First of all, I'm the king of weird spaces. I've been living in spaces I shouldn't have been in the whole time. I shouldn't be in this town. Oh, yeah. I should have never made it to where I'm at now. So <laughs> everybody, if I can do it, anybody could do it. But um, that's very encouraging, honestly. Well, here's, here's, here's a bad story. When okay. I first moved into Manhattan during COVID, um, of course, I had all hard... First of all, for, just so anybody who doesn't live here doesn't know, fucking getting in apartments in Brooklyn's not easy either. It's not easy in the other boroughs either, man, uh, especially officially. But in Manhattan, it's no, notoriously even harder. So I got all my ducks in a row, you know, and the, some of the first people I talked to, places I wanted in Manhattan... They didn't care that I had the money. They didn't give a shit. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell you, at the time, I had m probably more money than maybe I'd ever had. Mm. It's not a lot. Rich, rich people listening to this would laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but for you, this was that. For It was a lot. And I thought because it was a multiplier of what I needed, it was in multiples of what I needed, mm -hmm. that it would just guarantee me. So I kept saying to him, yo, check my bank account. Mm -hmm. I'll buy your car, bitch. Give me the apartment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and they were they were like, they did not care. They were like, you are Arsler. You have a bunch of money, but you don't have a real job. Who yeah, are you? Exactly. You're just some art person. Exactly. And so, and then, but then I had, but see that I had the rental history as the main dude. Mm. And I had all this stuff. <laughs> and even in the first few people I went through, even though I, I qualified and had more mm -hmm. and had all the stuff that maybe you're afraid you can't get together, mm -hmm. they were like, fuck off. Why so, though? I don't. They were just like, not good enough. Isn't that fucking crazy? They were, they were just like, I was like, I didn't realize that if I had it all, I had all the stuff you're supposed to have. All the ducks in a row. That then there would still be an application process on top. Right. And I don't know what it was, but the first few people I went through were just like, no, piss off. And then I, and then I found a weird spot. And I found a weird thing, uh, Upper East Side adjacent. Mm -hmm. And... Um, once again, I think I did qualify, but the guy gave me some 
Renner like I didn't qualify. You never know what's going on in New York. Are they just yeah. messing with you? That's the thing. What's the deal? Right. That's the thing. They're juicing you up. They're just yeah. shagging you along. What's going on? You know. Yeah. But um, I found this weird thing, and he he's told. I don't know if it's true or not, but he told me, look, when I brought this to the homeowner, they said the building owner, they said no, and because it was like COVID weird times, I kind of like squeaked in. This is what the guy told me. It's like normally you're not the kind of person we might let move into this building. But we're gonna do it. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's what it sounded like when I got to college too. <laughs> person, <laughs> the correlation. Guy, the guy in the admissions office in my undergrad said some offhanded thing to me that I can't remember now. But for years and years, I thought about where I said something like something perfunctory, like, um, "I'm really glad to be going to school here." And he was like, "You should be." <laughs> Something to me. He, he was be. like folding the. <laughs> he was like putting the folder away, you know. And I was like, oh, I really appreciate it. And he was like, you should appreciate it. Here's your fucking folder, Florida boy. Oh my fuck god. Out of here. You know, I, I've read a couple books. That's kind of crazy because that I can relate to that to some degree. For I shouldn't sure. have been in that place either. Oh, <laughs> this my is another place god. I should have never been allowed into. <laughs> Yo, I'm hoping that I find like some old person who has like a brownstone and has a floor and they yeah. like, I just want to give it to somebody right. who's nice and kind. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm the guy. I'm yeah. totally the guy. I'm That's nice. Right. I'm respectful. That's I have right. the money. Can I please come in? I don't got my shit together, but I'm nice. So I'll let you know when the dog walker is rummaging through your mail. I'll keep an eye out for the, in the lobby, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um, just the whole Manhattan thing. So you, you're not a newcomer, so you know the whole New York City thing is just to get up every day and keep doing it. Like just forget what happened yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Do you, you cannot let it get you down for one second. You just have to like keep, you know, just get up again the next day and be like, oh, okay. Do you know how like people say in New York you have to be here ten years to classify yourself as a true New Yorker? I've heard people say that. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel two ways. One. Like I have some native Manhattanite friends, Ruben Gannon, Manhattan, even even Ted, like people who are actually like from here, mm -hmm. and I don't think that they would agree with the ten year rule. I don't mm. think that they like that. Mm. I don't think New Yorkers say that. So mm. that's the first thing I would say. I think oh, that's a transplant. So the transplant. We like to it. tell each other They're that. They're putting their shit on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Well, look at that. Transplants. Also, transplants like to be mean to each other. You know, you've only been here five years. I've been here eight years or whatever, but. Uh, the other side of that is that <laughs> I think it might be it might have some organic truth to it. Okay. Because that is about the time where I felt like I started to know what was mm. happening. Mm. Ten years is about the time I started to get a chip on my shoulder about other transplants. Like I was in charge of the transplant committee. Right, 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 right. You know? right. Like kind of like what we were just you live saying. Live long enough to see yourself become. Well, just when you start saying to people, you're like, "I'm not from here." But at some point, I started saying to people, "What? You've never been to that one place? Well, you right. should get your ass out of your house and go see the, you know." Right. And you know, so all of a sudden, I was in charge or something. Yeah. That's that's, that's when you know you've been here for a little while. I yeah. Think. Or like, organically, you're the dude in your friend group who's, you know, if you're not a native and you've been here the longest, oftentimes that's what ends up qualifying you. Mm. Which one of you knows which train goes to Yankee Stadium? Like, like you're all on the street and some somebody from another country stops you all and say, does this train go to Yankee Stadium? That's my stop. Who, who, answer, oh, is it, yeah. who answers the fastest? Is it four or five or something? Yeah, four to six. They're like, uh, you know, who answers the fastest? Yes or no? That That's <laughs> yeah. the person who's, you know? I mean, it's the four. That's the express. Unless you want local. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, the six. I'm the guy now. 
Yeah. When I first moved here, I would confidently give tourists the wrong information. Like, <laughs> and not not on purpose, but like not I'd on be purpose. Like, I'd be like, it's that way for sure. And I'd watch them walk away and I'd be like, oh shit. Oh shit. It's actually oh the opposite God. way. Yo, that's me. <laughs> that's how I know that see when you say like when you say like, oh, you've been here for a while, I Every time you say that, I'm like, yeah, but not really, though, because I can't really give people solid advice. Like, I got to Google Maps this shit first and be yeah. like, uh, I'm which way good. is it? It's that way, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I mean, landmarks, I'm pretty solid. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I admit, I'm kind of on another level where I want to know what restaurants and the bars and stuff like that. Mm. I get annoyed if I don't know absolutely everything that's happening. Part of the show is just me like, you know, these this are the things I'm interested in. You know, there's all this stuff going on all the time. Yeah. I thought recently, like, you know, there's this whole New Yorker thing. You got all this stuff going on in New York, but then you're just, like, at your house. Like, yeah. your friend's band's playing. There's all these, these awesome things are going yeah. on. Yeah. And like, I have a latent guilt, you know, because my friends do these things. And mm -hmm. over the years, I've missed a great quantity of it. But now if I do the show, I don't have to go to the show. I did a show. Yeah, that's true. That's true, though, because now you're contributing to the culture. You yeah. know what I mean? You're contributing. That's you're right. a creator now. I'm sorry. I'm busy tonight. I'm doing a show about your yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I can't go to your show. I mean, you're right, because that that is the struggle. Like, there's honestly so many incredible things happening in the city all the time. Somehow I miss them. That's the weird part to me. Like, you'll hear about, yeah, Dave Chappelle was in Washington Square Park just talking to people. Dude, did you say that because that happened recently? Do you hear? No, nah, I, I just, that was random. I was waiting for... Uh, some to the moon pre-rolls. I was standing on Spring and I was mm -hmm. standing on Spring Street. And uh, I had a text message from a guy and he was like, hey, aren't you on Spring Street? I'm like, yes. And he said, uh, everybody says that Dave Chappelle's there right now. And I had been standing there for a really long time. A long a while, time. More than normal people stand on the street. Right. I'm not a street person at heart anyway. Yeah, I'm me always too. on the street. Me too. And uh, I, I just thought for a really long time about how stupid I must be. Because I was like, Oh, maybe he didn't come by here. And I'm like, I'm at the basketball court. I'm like, no, he came by here. He's in Soho. He's on Spring Street. It's around here somewhere. Yeah. I miss Dave Chappelle. He'd probably walk right past me. Damn. <laughs> happens to me. That stuff happens to me all the time. Or like somebody famous. Who the fuck? Uh, Damn. Oh, yeah. And all the Bill Murray stuff that's happened around me and I didn't know what was happening. I didn't go. But Bill Murray's kid used to work at like the... Uh, the tea room or something over by Macar and Park. And I was standing half a block from it once with another guy. And he was like, let's go over to this place and, you know, have a happy hour. I was like, nah, forget it. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. He walked over there. Bill Murray was in there. Hung out with Bill Murray all night. I was like, no, I'm busy. And that 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 shit really happens in New York City. It does. But then sometimes you walk right across. Yo. You know, it's not even celebrities. This is the thing, though. It's not even fucking celebrities. It's like just living, especially Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn's a little harder. Especially Manhattan. Especially Manhattan, just being around. Mm -hmm. Like just being with your friends or just mm -hmm. being with other people in a place. In the moment. Some, in the moment. You're juxtapositioned to things that happen. I swear. It's happened to me repeatedly in me this too. town. I actually got in trouble <laughs> after a while. Like, oh, shit. Like, you know, like, um, another, like a great thing, like uh, I went to Occupy when Occupy was happening. I met a lot of people there just like who are like some of them are on TV now. Some of them have mm. whole different media careers now. Mm. And some of those people are like you know, professors now. And like it's just weird. Like you meet a group of people at a certain time and if you stick in if you stay in the city, mm -hmm. you see. 
it comes back and it comes back and it turns into something else and yeah it's fucking weird yeah. this, the city affords you an opportunity just to be juxtapositioned it sometimes. Does. that's why i moved here yeah no it's real that stuff's real that's why when i the first time i visited i met this guy he's a photographer he he photographs a lot of like uh classic hip-hop album covers like jay-z nas dmx awesome. you know his name is jonathan Mannion. Cool, great photographer I used to be a sophomore. I was a sophomore in high school. I was skipping lunch, and I used to tweet him on the computer in the library. Yeah. And tweet him and be like, "One day I'm gonna meet you, and I'm gonna be your apprentice. One day, some bullshit like that. Nice shoes. I got those same shoes. I got some of those off eBay. Listen, one day I'm trying to get to Harlem, and there's a dude standing right across from me, and I was like, "Man, you look really familiar." And the guy tells me who he is, and I feel like I just seen a ghost. I was like, "This is the guy." That's crazy. My first time visiting New York City, I was like, this is this is him. That was the first time? That was my first time visiting. That's crazy. And when that happened to me, I was like, I'm moving here. And it makes you feel like, right. And I'm it makes you here. feel like, you know, because it's real, frankly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it is. Let's say you were interested in something as mundane as the New York Times. Right. You could literally go down there and get a fucking job. <laughs> it's right there. They employ <laughs> thousands of people. Yeah. You'll be in the cafeteria tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so like the juxtaposition stuff is real. Association oh, is real. I mean, I mean, even like reaching out to people. Like I've, when I lived in Texas, I would think that reaching out to people with blue checks would like, they're never going to respond to my shit. Right. And then I get here and then they respond to that shit. Um, a friend of mine, who had just moved to Brooklyn. This is, you know, I, this was still in the good, this is good meat of the Obama administration in Brooklyn, hipster era. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was rattling off a bunch of just hipster bands that she liked. And I was trying to explain to her, like, I was like, dude, you don't understand. You could see some of these bands in this town. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they're from here or not. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be New York bands. They might be here sometimes. They, just, they will be she here. She gave me a list of people, right? This is not a bullshit story. I looked it up, and in that week, one of the people that she likes was a recording artist. Not a, it's not a huge national mm -hmm, actor, but still. But at the time, her name was Jessie Evans. It's kind of like this, like lounge South American kind of like dancer. It's real. It's cool music. Okay. I looked it up, and I'm like, look, this lady is playing a house show in Bushwick off of her European tour. She's playing in some loft, mm -hmm. right? And there was like people there, a little stage area, but it was like in a loft. And we went there and this girl got to see like who she thought was like, you know, a big recording Yeah, artist. huge fan of her. Now, get this, we're not just in somebody's loft. The lady's parents are there. What the Her fuck? brother had to play uh, drop-in drums because the drummer wasn't available what on the, the first fuck? New York date. So now I got this this girl with me, my friend, right? And so she's like so, awestruck. But I'm like moving around. I'm like, who are these old people? I'm like, hey, what's up? Oh, this is Jesse Evans' parents. I bring the girl over. I'm like, how would you like to meet, uh, you know? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so, you know. Like the level of proximity is just right. marvelous here. Yeah. I, and then, then you wow. know, on the next level of that is it's not the celebrity thing. It's like, let's say you want to make something. Yeah. You're into movies or making something, anything. You can move to a town where other people moved here because they like making stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're like, the people, you, so you put a, let's say you live in Cleveland and you're looking for a guitarist for your band. Mm -hmm. You got a limited number of options there. 100%. You put it at, right? Mm -hmm. You come to New York and you're mm -hmm. looking for a guy who does, you know, this or a guy who does a little bit of that and yeah. someone who does some animation. Yeah. You, the people you find are usually pretty driven people. Yeah. So the opportunity to make like projects. Yeah. And stuff. 
I mean, they all come here for a, a like-minded reason. Y'all, people in New York are pretty aligned in that way. You know, like we come here looking for something. We we want to make something happen. Well, you know, the other thing about it is I think people are more, they won't admit this, but people are really interested in peer review. Mm. They want people specifically in their own age groups or in their own statuses to review what they've done and, and tell them. Mm. You know, a lot of people, I, I find them writers a lot. A lot of writers I meet, they don't like the mechanisms of the writing world, of the literature world. They don't like the big magazines. Mm. But they want desperately to be in that magazine. It's not just clout. There's an artistic thing there. <clears throat> they want whoever's considered to be a big writer in this town to review their work, right. to look at it, tell right. them what the fuck. Yeah. It's not just clout. Everybody thinks everything's for clout, but a lot of times you want people who are in your industry or who enjoy yeah. what you're doing to see the goddamn thing. Yeah. Credited people, efficient yeah. people, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. their voice, their opinion really matters. Yes. And I think the whole process there artistically is you get your work in front of the people. They give you a bunch of lip about it and then you grow and then you're like, no, actually, two of those judges, I don't even like them and here's why. And then eventually you're one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's this whole yeah. process of yeah. wanting to be judged getting pissed off at the judgment, coming back at the committee, becoming one of the judges. This is the whole right. life cycle of, you know, artistic, you know, peer review. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fascinating, but this place. People will never admit, people will never admit, like artists won't admit, like, yeah, look, I want other people to see it and tell me, you know. Why would they not, that though? they fucking like it. Well, it's like that's that's the whole basis of it because if you did really didn't care, you probably wouldn't be in New York. Yeah, but, but you know what though? A lot of people, no matter what artistic discipline in the, they're in, they know almost biologically, they know that anybody making something just for everybody else is making something bad. Hundred percent. So they want to lean hard away, got and that's you. really a good. It's a good impulse. Yeah, got you. That but, makes a lot of sense. But it's easy to just pretend that you don't even want anyone to say, you know, good things. So yeah. it's easy. It's easy to end up pretending. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to come off as a poser, yeah. but at the same time, it's like I would love some because of that media you know, attention. Yeah, because everybody knows the worst stuff that's ever made is the stuff where the person's just trying to please somebody else. For sure, designed yeah. specifically for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's Most like, of nah, the time, I'm it not turns a chef. Out pretty bad for everybody. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, man, the peer review is important. Um, I always, I, I like uh, the first art show I ever had. The thing that I remember, the feeling I remember, positive feeling I remember the most is strangers mm. seeing, like people I didn't know were in the gallery and they were looking at it. That, that was an amazing feeling. That is, though. Having all your friends there, that's cool. That's cool, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's right? not the same. And it's, no matter how you look at it, it's biased to some degree. Yeah, I used to sell um, T-shirts on the internet mm. and not to my friends, like strangers and all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I did it for like five years and I sold about 10 a year. That's cool. No, sometimes not one a month, right? <laughs> but each and every one of those were bought by a stranger usually in a faraway place, man, in another country sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it tripped me out, still does, to no end, that somebody in Slovenia is wearing a heavy metal T-shirt that I made Yeah, that's about a band that doesn't exist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just a weird shirt that I made. Yeah, And somebody out there in another country yeah, probably they were, they still got it, it, the yeah. drawer. 
It's they rock with it. Fucking weird, you know. Because of the aesthetic. Yeah, my friends would make fun of me and be like, what's up? You sell another t-shirt? I'd be like, dude, that keeps me on the clouds yeah. for days afterward, yeah. you know? Because it's a stranger. That's crazy. <clears throat> Man. New York City. Great place. Think about San Francisco next. What what you? Mm-hmm. Are you got do you have that like um two forces inside you like I'm either finding a place out here or else like I'm finding a place I'm finding my place in Chinatown or else or what's up Nah not really I mean I think that at some point um the journey of New York City will come to an end at some point I'm not in a rush to get find that Let me point. give you some advice though Okay it will decide for you you don't need to worry because like don't plan for it cuz you don't want to know you okay. know, it's like a di- It's like a bad diagnosis. Okay. It is gonna happen. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not in a rush because like, the city is just so magical. Yeah, I'm not in a rush, yeah. uh, and the city has been so great to me. You know, I'm just I'm here to I'm I'm enjoying the ride. I really am. But also, I, I kind of think to myself, um, I, because I uprooted from Texas and came here, I think I got that in me one more time. Yeah. Before it's time to like. Sure you do quote-unquote, have thoughts of being grounded in something, whatever that is. Fuck that. No, you do. You <laughs> definitely do. I um, <laughs> I didn't move here in my early 20s. Mm. I skipped around the country. I've lived in other places. Nice. You know, I lived in more places than just where I'm from and just where I went to school. Nice. Yeah. And uh, see, this is it for me. Like, I'm from Texas, boom, came here. Yeah. yeah. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I think about... I think about it a lot because I know a lot of people here who went from home and college in New York. Mm. And um, I think, like, it, it does, I do have better stories, and I do know more of America. Man. And I know, like, man, real Americans. Man. I hate to be rude to everybody, but. Nah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the longer I stay here, the more rarefied I become as well. That's, but, you know, that's, that's really true, though. Yeah. And that's so true. And But, um, so, like, there's that. But then, also, I see that the people who moved here, the transplants that moved here right after school or even went to school here, Whatever it is they want to do, they're much further along than I, you know, I, I kind of feel like I didn't need to be dicking around in the Midwest for all of that time. Mm. I could have cut it short a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get you. It's a, that's the thing, you know, it's because you're looking at both routes, you know, it's mm. like some people went straight through the pipeline mm-hmm. and you were just like experiencing the writ- life, literally the essence of life. And then you got here when you got here. So it's yeah. like you, like you yes. said, like I have wisdom and memories and experiences yeah. That you just don't have, and that's no slight to you, but it's just the truth. I was in it the is. streets living, yes, building with my hands, making mistakes, and you yes. went through the pipeline. Yes. Your experience is real, too, so is mine. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there's something about, too, there's something about, like, um, out there in regular America, mm-hmm. at 18, year old, 18 years old, we're talking about the non-college America, even though I was in college towns a lot, mm-hmm. the non-college America, they're moving out of their parents' house at 18, and they're getting apartments. It's true. They're living, like, you know, I don't know. It's weird. More of them live alone at 25 than anybody does here. Mm. You know, and they have like things out there and stuff. That's One of true. the things that used to trip me out when I first moved here was that I would go home, like to Florida, and my friends there were hitting that age where they were starting to have things. Mm-hmm. Like they were starting to like property. Yeah, they're like, oh, family. Like, yes, yes. And all like, that. Oh, BMW. Yeah, like, all you that. know, and like they yeah. would have things. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I live in Bushwick. I wear weird clothes. Right, I right. Do, you know? Right. And that's how people, that's how the rest of America, middle of America, that's how they yeah. look at like places yeah. like the West or the East. It's kind of like, yeah. what 
This is right. like they say the liberals live there and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm definitely a discontent of the wage system, but I also lived it for a really long time. So I I think I'm I'm not your typical person here. So mm. that I was sure, you know, I'm saying that like I'm not your typical person because in my 20s I held manual jobs and I worked in I worked in out there in America. So. Mm -hmm. There the public does have kind of the right beat on New York sometimes. For sure. Which is no. like there are a lot of soft-handed academic kids. For sure. Nobody's completely wrong about anything, up the film really. departments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and so I'm not I'm not sure. I think the I think sometimes though that I'm I'm because I'm from a downstream place. I'm from, you know, like lower end on the economic scale. That maybe I had enough of that anyway, and I should have just come here right after college. But I didn't. I did a lot of fucking shit. Yeah, but that, but that experience you had, it, it gave you your edge, though. Yeah, you know man. what I mean? And that, and that, and just because other people doesn't see the benefit of the edge doesn't mean that it's not just as useful. You know what I mean? I really believe that because you, people who come straight from college and come here. There's nothing wrong with that, but you you don't have what I have. Yeah, yeah. There is something you know wrong with it. <laughs> no, but that that's what creates that's the avocado toast jokes people. Those are the people <laughs> exactly. who really don't know how to feed themselves. Yo, it's yet. it's a lot of those but people. They, yeah, yeah. No, really, that's true. It's a lot of those people. What do the middle classes do to their children that they don't know how to cook? I think that that's hilarious. That you know, like, yo, they just what an bite. indictment it is. Um, whenever you see anything about thirty year olds not knowing how to do something. What an indictment it is. On That's a lot of New America. Yorkers. Huh? That's a lot of New Yorkers, though. Yeah. Well, like a lot of the transplants, yeah. like they don't know how to, they don't know shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, I, what happened in the middle classes where, because that's whose children are coming here. They're not from my economic background, mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The people I meet in my life are mostly from several income brackets. About, 100%. You know, so 100%. I don't know what's going Man. on out there in the upper middle classes, but uh, yeah, you should teach your kids how to use a drill at some point. I don't know. You know, the thing is, is that I was, I was, I just like everybody else. I didn't want to learn anything from my dad and or stepdad. I didn't want to know anything from these people. Really? No, I was a kid. I didn't want to hear any of this. Uh, what do you call it? I didn't want to be, uh, you know, yeah. told anything by anybody yeah but one of the things i've realized because when i was a kid i was right when am i ever going to use this you ever say that like an algebra class of course, yeah. oh, calculus class well, yeah. i don't need this i know yeah. i don't what i didn't know at the time was was just learning stuff make you more confident in the world yeah, so like so like the new yes maybe the kid was never going to learn how to do thanksgiving dinner right and had no reason to know right but maybe you should have made them make it you should yeah that's that's the thing that I often reflect on. The older I get, I realize like a lot of things that my parents were trying to kick to me. I see the value in it now. You know what I mean? Oh, At that yeah. time, it's just like whatever. But now it's just like, oh, I get it now. Until I, I say around twenty three mm -hmm. or twenty early twenties, I started to make, I started to realize a lot of. I used to view my mom as like a drill sergeant person. Like this lady needs to relax a little bit. <laughs> And then as I got older, I realized, oh, her oldest child was a boy. And, mm -hmm. you know, telling me that I had to stay out of the house for most of the day actually wasn't an evil thing. Mm -hmm. You know, she's telling me to shut, you know, and I really, until I was in my early 20s, I was like, this lady hates television. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I've realized now that a lot of it really was, you know, for my own For your good. benefit, yeah. And like, what the fuck is good for a kid that they want to do? Almost, almost you gotta be nothing. like one of those special kids that's like 
interested in the piano. No, nah, for sure. <laughs> or wants to go Some to kind ball of practice. artist or something like that. Yeah. You know, you, whatever. But yeah. even kids that I grew up with who like basketball still don't want to go to basketball practice. This, right. I'm, I'm dealing with it right now with a cousin of mine. How do you motivate kids? And kids are kids are rather for 12 hours do the one thing you don't want them to do. Right. So whatever. Yeah. They need, but they 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 do need guidance for sure, and that's why it's important for a parent to really like uh, relate to a child, like not so much to be, people have different parenting styles, you know? So it's like some parent, like my grew up, my mom saying like, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And I understand that now more than ever, but right. like sometimes where the friend element needs to come in so the kid can respect you to hear you. True enough. You know? I was never listening to anybody. You know? And another thing that I've realized is that like, knowing more about yourself as you grow up Makes you realize that, like, like my mom was right about some stuff. For example, the stupidity and pigheadedness, and maybe a little bit of violence was necessarily for the boy. Mm. Like I was like, you know, I I look back at my childhood and think, what would a soft, what Nathan would have been produced mm. from a woman who was not like that? Yeah, who did not have any rules. Yeah, what if I grew up in a household who let you walk with all no over rules? Her. I think I might have been a super terrible person. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's. Highly probable for I'm, all of us. I'm a lot. You know? Yeah, I like. I get a lot of long looks. I think we live in a different world now. I I, I tell stories sometimes. Like I like to tell stories where the end of it is my mom smacks me. Um, and I think <laughs> we live in a different world where sometimes those those stories hit weird and people are like, "Oh, your mom actually hit you." Yeah, for sure. But for sure. actually, I don't ever remember a time where it isn't to me hilarious and warranted. Now, I I can't remember a that time part. where and that the further part. the further we get from it, the more I have to think to myself, how did she not smack me? How more? did she not? Not did she yeah. lay me down? You know what yeah. I mean? Because when you're young, you're creating this woe is me narrative and shit. It's I like, made, why did you do that to I me? Made, I made fun of a physically handicapped person in the grocery store once. As oh, like wow. a six-year-old. Oh, I did wow. I did like a impression that wasn't cool. And in front of him. Yeah, I think they were in front of us in line. Close enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. a little too close to the to the mom because I think like I, I I didn't even get the bit out. I wasn't even into the stride of the bit, and she, without looking at me, hit me like this in the line. Whack! It was a strong, solid arm, and um, you know, do I'm do I think I was doing it for a sibling. I'm like performing for a sibling, or right? Something. And I didn't see it coming, so she hit me, and I went back. <laughs> like that. I went back with my hands up like against the <laughs> you know I mean? all dramatic and shit. Oh yeah. I tell that story, it doesn't always get last. People are just like, yo, you shouldn't hit your kid like that. And I think like, no, seriously, I needed. Yeah. I probably needed the boundaries. Like the moment. hindsight 2020. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, that kind of correlates to like you don't really understand it in the moment. And then like another thing, this might be a stretch, but something else that I noticed, like things that you didn't like about your parents. You're probably gonna do that shit. Oh yeah, Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. I've I've read stuff places like you're either exactly like your dad or you're trying to do everything different. There's like no in between. You're like doing all the things he's doing, or you're living your life trying to be like I'm not like that. Yeah, that's it. That's Inadvertently, you you're like still. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. still chained to that. You're not getting away from it. I tell people all the time that I have anxiety when the dishes are being done by somebody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> You don't want to explore this too much, but you know, there's some <laughs> things that stay with you. Who knows what it is? But it's like, <laughs> I mean, it gets deep, man. Like, like I, I, there doesn't need to be total silence when I'm doing a manual thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> Somebody else invented that law. 
just the, I'm just passing the abuse on to everybody else. You know? <laughs> it's real, man. This shit gets into your psychosis. <laughs> it gets to your psyche for real. Hey, man, this might be your best podcast yet, man. <laughs> you are, it definitely is. Thanks, Will, for being on the podcast. Hey, man. My we, pleasure. We did a lot of time, man. Did we? I think, yeah, dude, it's like... Oh, shit, we did two that, hours. That's a lot of time. It's over, as a matter of fact. My time slots up. That's crazy. Thanks a lot, dude. I didn't even realize it. I was like, ah, he's had enough. Oh, we're done. No, I'm chill. I mean, I'm chilling. Yeah, cool, man. For another two hours. That was awesome. <laughs>